I spoke to my sister this morning. Okay. And like we chatted for a while and, and she was like, what have you got planned for the day? And I was like, oh, I've got to catch up. Actually, no, I'm going to tell you what I'm actually doing. So I told her she could not have given less of a shit. Like oh. genuinely. I was like, oh, okay, well, I won't give you a fucking shout out then, you dickhead. How dare you? We just have now. Yeah. It's going to be the opening to episode one. <laughs> I know, but she doesn't deserve it. She was literally the most unimpressed person. I was like, oh, yeah, we're, we're, um, we're, we're going to try our hand out a podcast. She's like, oh, okay. Well, what's it about? And I sort of gave her, you know, a very brief sort of premise. I just said, oh, it's just about tragic shit, you know, awful things that happen in your life but are funny. They said, you know, don't tell mum and dad, essentially. It's like, because I only have sexual content to discuss and <laughs> I don't need them hearing about some of the things that I need to talk about. And she was like, oh, okay. Yeah, fine. I was like, why are you not more impressed by this? I mean, I know everybody has a podcast, but like, I don't do anything on a whim, on a whim. Like, it's always fairly well considered and i was like i've considered this and you're still not fucking impressed this is 100 percent what it's gonna be like with your parents as well because you've made a point <laughs> of saying oh i hope they don't listen because of such and such yeah but if like this happens like if your mum probably through my mum gets with this podcast yeah. and doesn't listen to it which is what you want yeah you i'll stay- be raging be raging because <laughs> like Bitch. How dare she not support she me? Care about me? <laughs> yeah. Thirty years of life she's given me. <laughs> she can't even take twenty minutes to check out the podcast. Yeah. She's so I'll put the music in after some chit chat. I'll pick something. 30 seconds yeah. long out of I love that. I love your script. It's talkie talkie informal chat music. <laughs> well, you know exactly what I mean, didn't you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I would have preferred if you put chitty chitty chat chat. I think that would have been more okay, of well, a vibe. I'll that for next week. Chitty chitty chat chat. I did say that notes were welcome and you didn't reply to me. Because it felt nitpicky. But now we're here. I may as well tell I'm you. I'm happy to nitpick in person. <laughs> yeah. Well, it always seems very passag on text. I am the queen of passag, so yeah. I can take it from you, don't worry. Whereas I'm just the queen of ag. There's no <laughs> pacificity ag. about it. I'm either raggy or I'm not. Anyway, talky-talky informal chat or chitty-chitty chat-chat is my preference. Music! <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me of I was directing a play once. <laughs> And the guy just started reading out the stage directions. <laughs> well, actually, it was a filmed thing. Yeah. And it was like a vlog. So he was like, um, oh, it's really nice to see you today. Character name looks into camera. And me <laughs> and the other director just looked at each other like, Hundy, are you doing that on purpose? Is it like a, is it like are a funny... Are you being funny? Are you being funny? You're doing a bit... Yeah. And then he was like, no. <laughs> it went on for like 20 minutes where he would just like raise his eyebrows. And he was just like, no. Absolutely phenomenal. Anyway, by all means, read out all the stage directions for it. Um, welcome to Misery Loves Company.
the podcast dedicated to those moments in life so tragic, so embarrassing, so pathetic, so frustrating that the only solace is that they make a good story. We are your hosts, Chardon and Freuda. Episode one. Episode one. Oh my god, this is going to be just absolute chaos and I am so keen for it. (laughs) You are a pretty keen bean. I was going to ask if you two have a post-it note in the vicinity with our pseudonyms written on them, as I do. <laughs> no, instead I have I have notes. <laughs> so, oh, <what? laughs> I have notes today, and it just is, I've underlined, underlined, I've underlined your pseudonym multiple times, and it's just, it's in front of me. I was thinking of pushing one up on the actual laptop, and I thought, oh, fuck it, I'll forget that. You do need so, to remember your own as well. Oh, I'm definitely... Well, then, but how many times do I speak about myself in third person? I don't know. We'll, f- we'll find out. <laughs> we'll find I-, out. I imagine a lot. <laughs> <laughs> when you're, like, being the other person in, a, in an anecdote or a story, you know. I mean, yes, this is too. this is all very much... Uh, uh, <laughs> for your benefit well not for your benefit yeah. I think it's good that it's anonymous but I mean I I work in the arts so it's almost expected of me yeah that I have a failed podcast yeah especially like the douchier the better yeah is that if I turn up to a job interview and I haven't oh you're not getting that job podcast I know they're like look at my CV and they're like what the hell are you doing with your life like <laughs> whereas I am are you even on... serious about this role <laughs> I'm in such a corporate environment. Like, I'm just so nervous that, you know, as much as I love the company I work for, I don't think I'm going to be there for, you know, time immemorial. So there's going to come a point eventually where I decide to leave. And if anybody Googles me and this comes up and they're like, (laughs) have me chatting away going, and then he came on my side. I'm not getting that job. I'm not getting that job. So I love that that's your go-to example. <laughs> Came on my thigh. That's just a little taster, listeners, of what's in store. What's the context? You'll find out. Yeah, you'll find out. We'll just, I'll, I'll just trail that and then probably forget to actually tell the story for the rest of the podcast. And I'm not just talking about today. I'm talking about the rest of the run of the podcast. We'll probably get emails at some point in a year's time going, so tell us more about that come on the thigh thing. And I'm like, no, well, now we have to make it canon that we're never going to tell Yeah, you. I'm never, never telling the story about the come on thigh. <laughs> you will never know. <laughs> or maybe it'll be our final episode. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be the most disappointing story now. <laughs> We've overrated <laughs> it so much. I mean, the punchline of it is, and then he came on my thigh. <laughs> That's... That's the punchline of the whole story. But anyway, anyway, no, I did I didn't want to start out smutty, but that's the reason why I requested that we use pseudonyms rather than our real names. I think that's fair as well. I mean I can I can hope that I'll always be applying for sort of artsy based jobs mm-hmm. where I'll just be applauded pl- applauded for my ingenuity and yeah. production skills rather than anyone actually listening to the content, but you never know. Yeah. Saying that it's also a good idea to establish that um Chardon, I oh my god, I almost used your name then. I so nearly used your I mean, name. I can bleep it out, but I, I know, but it's, not. it's not a good way to start, but it is a good point to to note that Chardon is literally doing all of the work and I have been lovingly referred to only as the talent, which I am both <laughs> pleased about and slightly offended by. But it's totally fine. Um <laughs> I mean 
I will point out those were yours, your words, I think, before I said them. Because you were like, well, you're a producer and I've used editing software before. So, yeah, there are bits and pieces I'm picking up because it doesn't feel yeah. too outside my comfort zone. But you, but you are a talent, Freuder. That's literally all I am. It's a talent. And I can only be disappointing. And that is a challenge that I can live up to. I don't, I don't think that's going to be fan favourite um, or it would be like a McElroy situation where people can't tell our voices apart anyway oh also no all podcasts will have an explicit warning on them um, I think mainly because of me and my smut mouth but I think that's fine I think I mean I think that's how people will tell us apart is that your stories will all be smutty and mine will just be miserable <laughs> <laughs> so I mean that brings us on to I mean I was chatting to somebody about our podcast the other day and I had a, a bit of a hard time describing exactly what mm-hmm. we mean by a tragic story yeah i think i mean we sort of so, yeah so sometimes it's something embarrassing sometimes it's something kind of upsetting but so ridiculous that it becomes funny yeah I, I i mean you can give your definition for me it's kind of those moments where something happens that's so stupid that you kind of leave your body <laughs> And you're already looking at the situation from the future where this has become a funny story. Yeah. And you're like, I can't believe this is real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mine mine is definitely brought about from the idea of telling a story, usually in some state of incredulity. Like, I, I cannot believe this has actually happened again, sometimes, again. And... After you finish telling it, you just go, oh, it's fucking tragic. I think we misuse tragic so much, or at least I do in my normal vocabulary. I misuse it so much that it has taken on this whole other meaning of it being, like, just fucking tragic. And that's the only way you can put it. Like, there's no real tragedy. No one's been hit by a bus. Yeah, it's not Shakespearean tragedy. Yeah, it's It's not Shakespearean tragedy. It's classic millennial tragedy. Tragic, tragic... Oh gosh, I think it's going to start losing its. Stop saying the word. <laughs> Tragedy. Good. Uh, 20 minutes in or something. And, uh, <laughs> oh shit, I can't say that now. What's it was name? you! I thought it was, was going to be me! 20 minutes in and Freud is singing. Yes! First person to fuck up. Fucked it up! Fucked it right. up! Alright, keep, keep your knickers on. I'm not wearing any knickers. No, I am. I'm wearing jeans today. <laughs> it's very on brand. Very on brand. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to mix it up a bit. Sometimes it'll be sort of long-form mm-hmm. anecdotes, like a settle down, let me weave you a tale type. Yeah, CBB's vibe. But Yeah, CBB's vibe. 100% less sexy. Yeah, 100% less sexy. <laughs> and 100% less appropriate for children. Oh, my God. If I could in any way, shape or form pull down the, like the energy of the CBeebies bedtime story into myself, I would 100%, but I know that's not in my wheelhouse. No, it's not. It's just going to sound like some awful ASMR porn that doesn't turn anyone on. <laughs> yeah, what's the opposite of ASMR, where it doesn't relax you, it makes you feel agitated and Yeah, upset. what's it called? You know, like, they they do it, don't they? Like, the nails on a chalkboard and stuff. No, but some people like that. Like, oh, this, this has got to be not... Like, there are some podcasts I listen to when I fall asleep because the hosts mm. have relaxing voices and this Yeah. No. So, like, two fucking apple sellers <laughs> screeching at each other from opposite <laughs> ends of a market. <laughs> Pen 
pound your banana, two pound your pear. <laughs> Lord. I just had a thought. Are you wearing headphones? No, I'm not. Are you now going to be picking up all of my awful laughter coming through your speakers? Well, okay. I'm plugging in the headphones now. <laughs> I couldn't remember if I wore them when we did our little testy. Test- I think you did, because I think I had the same <laughs> the same feedback piece. If you have any tips on sound editing or podcast management, feel free to put them on a postcard. Yeah. And, and uh, also, um, apologies, uh, apologies after the fact, uh, if the initial 10 to 20 minutes of this podcast is inaudible. Um, but you know what? Fuck it. It's free. Yeah. What do you want? <laughs> it's our first one it's supposed to be scrappy so that in our 10 year anniversary we can look back and be like oh think how much we've learned so we were talking about some of it may be long form anecdotally or some of it will be short form yeah like conversations on a topic mm-hmm. because there's some little tragic things which are funny to talk about but don't mm-hmm. necessarily take 20 minutes to tell yeah, um, and we do. We are one hundred percent open to the idea of guests on the show, and obviously everything's anonymous. We talked about that at length. Um, yes, uh, either in person to tell your own story, or if you're very very bashful, then we could always read out something you send in. But we'll give information at the end as to how that can be achieved. Super keen to hear what anyone has to 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 tell us. Essentially, I love how stupid people are. And okay. I love the awful situations they get themselves into. So I'm I'm ready. We I'm do. ready and willing. We live for these stories. And uh, yeah, Freud and I, I have been friends since like fetushood. Like, Literally in, in utero. In utero. Um, not the same utero. <laughs> no, no, no. Separate uteros. Um. <laughs> Socially distanced uteros. Um, of course. Uh, and, you know, had uh, wine catch-ups where we would just relay the hideous things that had happened in mm-hmm. the, the several months since we'd last seen each other. And we're like, maybe we could monetize this. <laughs> <laughs> what was so annoying about it, though, was it really took the lockdown for us to virtually catch up. Which is ridiculous, because we've lived apart since for... we were 18. Yeah, genuinely. So two years, though, <laughs> <laughs> I'm old as fucking balls. Um, I was so young. Um, so, yeah, that was super, super frustrating. But as Chardon said, um, also very eye-opening in the fact that we thought we find ourselves absolutely hilarious. I cannot, I cannot understate just how funny we find ourselves. And we thought other people are going to find us just as engaging and hilarious. Well, 100% of the joint audience we've shared in our lives is just our Mm. (laughs) mums. And they don't find us entertaining whatsoever. (laughs) So 100% of the market research we've done says this will be a failure. So, but you never know. Someone out there won't find it funny. I suppose we should launch into our first story. We should do. I believe is yours, Freuda. So the loose theme this week um, is just uh, love, love, love lives. Yeah. Romantic lives. Yeah. But the two stories aren't particularly connected. No, the stories aren't connected at all. Um, And when I originally uh, pitched my story to Chardon, she looked at me with absolute first revulsion and shock that I'd want to use this on the very first episode. But I thought, do you know what starters you mean to go on? And I, I really, 
I really, horrifically. Yeah, horrifically. I really feel like it gives you an incredible sense as to what's to come, especially from me content-wise, because the story I'm about to tell you isn't even the worst story that I have in my arsenal. There are worse. But it's also, it embodies the idea of tragicness. So a couple of things first, before I get started. Um, we've already discussed a couple of times that all names are going to be anonymous. Um, I have a system of naming people. It's not particularly good or, or scientific, but essentially I refuse to give a prospective man a name until they are locked in. Because it encourages emotion till they're locked in, until they're secured. Because it encourages emotional attachment. And I've been single for an incredibly long time. Five years, nearly, to be exact, if nearly can be exact. I've been single for a very long time and I've had an awful lot of bad experiences. And you learn very quickly to try not to get emotionally attached. Because when it fails, as it inevitably always does, still single, spoiler alert... Um, also boys if you enjoy the sound of my voice I am definitely open for offers and um, so anyway so the, the naming usually has has something to do with an aspect of them some of the names are particularly lazy so I'm either going to give somebody the real nickname that I give them or a new nickname from a list of really ugly men's names beginning with a B okay okay we need to I mean I'm just worried about I mean, you say men's names beginning with a B. I don't want some prospective fan whose name happens to be Bartholomew <laughs> now being really upset. There's something fundamentally funnier about male names that start with a B. We don't make the rules. <laughs> they just do. But no shade is, is yeah. intended. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> this is just, it's something that I've done for years and I find it hilarious. And if you don't find it funny, then get your own podcast. <laughs> so, the... <laughs> That's the welcoming attitude of an episode. <laughs> if you don't like it, fuck off. <laughs> so, the story is, I was dating this guy, let's call him... Boris. Oh no, that's the worst B name. I know, but it's a great one to start off with, right? No relation, I'm assuming. No relation, zero relation. Um, No one from the press department at 10 Downing Street at me. This is not Boris Johnson, he's gross. (laughs) I don't have another secret child of his. Yeah, I definitely don't. No, nothing has grown inside of me, except for some bacterial cultures. So, um... Can edit that one out. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. What makes you think I'm getting rid of bacterial cultures? Like you should be, dirty bitch. <laughs> Lord. Anyway. So you're I dating was, a man who's. Dating. I was dating this guy Boris for about six weeks. We'd met off of a dating app, as everybody does. This was about, I'm going to say, maybe three years ago now. That was quite a while. I don't know why I thought it was more. And it was the first time I'd sort of formally dated somebody since my big breakup. And I was really, really hesitant. You know, I'd it, it took me a while to get into it. But anyway, we were dating for about six weeks. We've gone, you know, sort of gone on a handful of dates. And it came up to our first grown-up sleepover. Okay. 
So and what you're saying is there was an understanding that this was the well, time. no, no, no. I'm I'm misrepresenting this. It's just the first time we were sleeping over, and in my mind, one thing that put me off the most about men, especially when dating, is when there is a when they feel the need to give you a spoken understanding. Okay, so tomorrow is boom day. <laughs> yeah, so like yeah. <laughs> I remember, t- I remember texting him, and like we were meeting up for drinks, and I lived in Hockley at the time, and he lived in Westcliff, and we were going out for a few shandies, and he was like, "Look, you can stay over at mine if you like," and I was like, "Okay, cool, great, that's that's brilliant, thank you." Again, we'd never stayed in each other's home locations prior to this, and um, he was like, "Oh yeah, maybe we could get like some romancing in," and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa." I'm not a sure thing, but also if you hadn't said anything, I'd have been it a would sure be more thing. Likely, yeah. yeah, please don't discuss it. Right? Romancing is a great. Oh god, it was. It, I've not heard before. It just gave me the absolute whips. But anyway, so we'd gone out for drinks and we went back to his and we were sort of in bed and the thing started to get a little bit, you know, spicy. Yes. And he literally stopped dead and was like, "Oh, I didn't think that's what this evening was about." Oh, I was like, okay, well, no, I guess not. And isn't it lovely to have sex without pressure? What's your argument here that that isn't what this is about? So the next, the following week, I invited him over to mine. So although things got spicy, you didn't actually do No, because that wasn't what the evening was about. Okay. Bear in mind, at this point, I am. (laughs) At this point, I'm totally without clothes, underneath him, and he he manages to stop himself and go. That isn't what this evening's about. Okay, we respect a person's choice. We definitely respect choice, of course. But also, what the fuck. We're going to get so cancelled. It's only episode one. I mean, this was my personal feelings. Obviously, as soon as he said that wasn't what this evening was about, I didn't argue with him about it. I just accepted it. I just accepted it. It's his choice. His body, his choice. But internally, I was going, I've shaved every bit of hair off of my body and moisturised. What the fuck? (laughs) But at the same time, it's it's his body, his choice. Yeah. So the following week, I invited him over to mine. I think it was like a Friday night or something. He came over. And I cooked dinner, which was obviously awful, because chef I am not. And we went up to my bedroom, because at this point I was living with some friends. So we went up to my bedroom and we were watching, I think it was Deadpool or something. Sexy. And, yeah, really sexy. I was all watching Deadpool on my bed and, you know, we... we got a bit, The, the you podcast know. can't see you. Oh, okay, Wiggling sorry. Wiggling your shoulders suggestively. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to audio describe it. You need to speak <laughs> to the people. I would love you to audio describe it. But anyway, okay, so we got a little bit frisky, okay, and we got we got to a critical position where clothes were no longer on our bodies and the 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 requirement basically he lost his hard on. Uh, I don't know how how sensitive I'm going to be around this or yeah, I can't be bothered to think of non harsh terms for it. He lost, he got, he got a flop on. And first off, 
There is zero shame whatsoever with losing an erection, especially the first time you're going to have sex with a woman. There is absolutely no shame in it. I There was no judgment from me. I wasn't angry at all. Not that I had even any grounds to be angry. I think we forget primarily as women that we have the ability to just go to just <laughs> spit on it and go, there you are. We don't have to finish. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like we genuinely have to make zero effort. Like we obviously choose to make effort, but in the active action of sex, for us it's a lot simpler than the male yes. and especially when it comes to the first time and it's such a pressurized situation so anyway so he lost it and i was like it's cool it's fine we'll just we'll just keep watching the film about 20 minutes later things started going again and things were staying in place so i just hopped on okay. because i was like it's good to go i'm gonna we're both without clothes he's erect i'm gonna start having sex with him now so i hopped on and i was i was going for a little bit and i sort of like he was being really odd like there was no verbal cues no usually when you're having sex with someone there's a moan here or a or a gasp there or like even a bit of heavy breathing you know you give some form of verbal indication that you are enjoying yourself yeah I was getting nothing. It was dead science. So I <laughs> I made the fatal decision to ask him if he was enjoying himself. Okay. And so I, I just said, is, is this all right? Like, is this like, do you like this? And he was like, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> and I obviously just sort of stopped. Like and went, he's been asked if he likes prawn cocktail, Chris. Yeah. You know, like, yeah I was like, it's all right. I was like, all right, are you are you having me on? Like I'm putting out my best moves here. I don't get on top for anybody. Like, are you having a joke? And Dead looked me in the eye, bear in mind, we are still interconnected. Yes. And he looks me dead in the eye and goes, just rather see you as a friend. Oh, <laughs> oh Lord. I just, <laughs> and I remember saying to him, I was like, obviously incredibly shocked, and I just said, "What? What do you mean? We're, we're having sex. What do you mean you'd rather see me as a friend?" He's like, "Oh, you just took me by surprise. I didn't expect it. We were naked and you were erect, and you didn't expect to have sex with me." And then he like scrambled around and he got dressed. He went, so I just, I guess you'll want me to leave now. Um. Yes, of course I want you to leave. Leave <laughs> the vicinity. Go, go home, leave me. I genuinely never heard from him again. I've seen him a couple of times around because he still lives in the area. And every time I look at him, I'm like, you motherfucking dumped me. When you were inside of me. Who does that? Genuinely, who does that? Now, I'm not saying that under the guise of, if you have sex with me, that's a predetermined agreement that you're supposed to be with me now. Anybody's permitted to dump whoever they like. But you pick your moments. And if you saw me as a friend, you saw me as a friend 
before you were naked in my bedroom. Is that, I just, yeah, like I sort of, on the one hand, it's it's good to be mindful nowadays of like, you can be naked and still be like, I don't want to have sex. But also, he wasn't saying I don't want to have sex. He was saying, I see you as a friend. <laughs> Which is wild. We were having sex. Which isn't a sudden thing that you come to, no. is it? It's and like... also, but if that was, if he was waiting for sex to help him make the decision, you know, because sometimes you're never quite sure if you fancy someone entirely or if the sexual chemistry is there. Like, I totally get that, but you do not give that feedback during sex. Before or after, buddy. And I mean, even then, after. Don't do it right after. Don't do it whilst you're laying there in the heavy glow panting and going, actually, that was a bit shit. Kind of see you as a friend. So, on balance, and I've been dumped in some absolutely terrible ways. On balance, I'm going to say, that was the worst way I've ever been dumped. What did you do after you left? I cried. And called. I was de- I was so devastated because it. I mean, it hadn't been the first person I'd been with since I'd broken up with my ex. We'll call him Barry, asshole. Um, but it was the first person I'd actually dated, and I thought, you know, I really tried not to rush the whole sex thing. You know, we've been dating for a fair few weeks, and I was absolutely devastated. I think as well some of the. I mean, the the full sort of breakup story is for another day, but when I broke up with Barry, one of the reasons that he broke up with me was based purely on my physical appearance and the fact that we didn't have sex because he no longer found me attractive. Oh, God, I fucking hated Barry. (laughs) Barry was such a knob. But to then be dumped during an act of physical intimacy... That's... There's not a lot of bounce back. No, and there really wasn't. I mean, I didn't date anybody for, I'm going to say, a good year after that. Like, I really didn't. I didn't sleep with anyone. I didn't date anyone. I was just like, "There's how how can I be intimate with someone when I'm getting dumped again? Because it felt like, for me, because of sex, on reflection, I think the reason why was because he was just not feeling it. And I think it got to a situation where he didn't feel comfortable telling me he wasn't feeling it. And then it just came out, but during sex. And I've been told multiple times, multiple, multiple times that somebody just isn't feeling it. And I respect that so much. You're not wasting anybody's time. You're not hurting anybody's feelings. If you're going to, Dump someone, be completely honest with them about why. Do not ghost a person. But he didn't know me well enough, probably to see how I was going to react or whatever. And I, I don't want to give him too much of the benefit of the doubt because he did still dump me whilst he was inside. Exactly. Like I won't, I won't play devil's advocate for that individual, but for men in general, it's probably harder than it is for a chick to be like. I just don't want to have sex because there's this perception of men always want to have sex. sex. We're cavemen. Um, So he's trying to find a way to say that. And he says, I think of you as a friend, which is so much worse. (laughs) It was awful. And also, like you say, if he'd been honest, you could have avoided the whole situation and it still would have sucked. But yeah. Oh, God. 
And then for years later, I've just been left with the overwhelming anger about now. He counts. That counts as a sexual interaction I had. And I'm furious about it. <laughs> oh God. Wipe it off. Like, it doesn't have to count. No one's going to audit you. It's fine. <laughs> count it as a half if you want. Yeah. Well, that's what I said. Does it count if it, you know, it was only for a couple minutes and then well, he said yeah. that he saw me as a friend and I've been told by more than one source that apparently, yes, it does count. Arseholes. Anyway, so that was the story of Freudo and Boris. Oh, Freudo and Boris. I think it's... <laughs> it's so... To start off our comedy podcast, I think it might, you know, when tragic circles around to funny, I think this might circle back all the way around to just sad. (laughs) (laughs) You poor, poor bastard, I think. I mean, the thing is, is it was, it was such a, a while ago, and I can confirm that I have had incredibly positive sexual experiences since then. Right, right. Where, no. No, more in the sense of, you know, I no longer am so, uh, you know, concerned about somebody not finding (coughs) me attractive and, you know, all the rest of it. But I think when you take it all at the time and you look at what was happening around emotionally, now I genuinely find it one of the funniest things that has ever happened to me because I've got distance from the emotional of course I've got so much distance from the emotional and I just sit there and you know it tends to be a conversation that comes up quite often when you're with other women and or men men like to talk about this too but men I think are scared to ask the question because it makes them look douchey um but you know it comes up it goes people go what's the worst way you've been dated Uh, what's the worst way you've been dumped or what's the worst way you've dumped someone? It is quite topical, and I always win. I always win. I mean, yeah. Because who else has been dumped during sex? I don't know. Most people at least sort of wake the next day, don't they? But I'm not saying that would have been better. I'm not saying that there are better ways. I it... think it would have been better. Yeah, to be fair, I think, <laughs> I think it, it would have been would. better. Either before or after. <laughs> Or, or if you want to stop the sexual act, just say mm. you don't want to do it. Don't make it, I don't know. Yeah. You're, put, you're putting your feelings onto the other person in a way that's obviously hurt your... And then the way you said you just surprised me. Cool, we've been naked. Oh, well, no, because you can't, I mean, you can't take nakedness as consent. But no, and it, but it's it not can't... consent at all. I think. I think it was just one of those where it was... Uh, obviously rape happens within relationships and you know all of that kind of thing but i'd there'd been no perceived behaviors or discussions that gave me any indication at that time that this wasn't what we mutually wanted this is a parable about communication isn't it don't be afraid to say how you really feel can save an embarrassing encounter for everybody (laughs) i mean i've been told countless times that people don't want to fuck me oh yeah i don't people are very free with that information (laughs) almost gleeful yeah (laughs) i'd never shag you you? do you know what this isn't funny do you know what this isn't funny but i'm gonna say anyway i had a friend say to me once i wouldn't even rape you (gasps) no yeah we were just joking i can't remember why we were joking about 
being a couple. I don't know, maybe we were bickering or something around yeah. the dinner table. And I was just like, teehee, no, haha, we couldn't be a couple. And he was just like, oh, yeah, no, like a bit too enthusiastically. And I was like, oh, oh okay, that's okay, that's fine. And then he said that, like he was laughing, he thought it was funny. And I was just so upset. <laughs> is it someone that I know? Yes, it is. <laughs> oh my God. But that is, because then when you get offended, the perception is, oh, so you want me to want to fuck you? And it's like, no, I don't. But I to don't say that, that I don't mind that you don't fancy me. That's fine. Um, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, also, I don't, I don't want to imply that I'd be, you know, flattered if you said, Do you know what, I'd rape you. I'd love to rape you. That'd but be great. to feel the need, to feel the need to make that distinction of you're so unattractive, I wouldn't even rape you if I were a rapist. I that's. Think- that's next level. And it puts you in such a catch-22 of obviously no one wants to be raped. I don't want no. you to want to rape me. I want you to not have said that phrase. Like, mm-hmm. Do you know what? That leads on actually really nicely to my my story or topic, really. We said that yes. we do a mixture of stories and topics. And yeah. mine, because my love life is so tragic that I don't even really have any funny love life <laughs> stories. What I have is a collection of disappointments. <laughs> so um, from, I'm currently in a monogamous relationship. Yeah, I was about to say, let's preface this with you're engaged to be married, you're getting married next year. I am. I played the long game by having a tragic love life for my almost for the first sort of 25 years of my life <laughs> and then just caught happy. one and was like that's it yeah. <laughs> I'm done I'm done I've been out there I've just caught this fish and I'm gonna keep it right yeah but I was ruminating on um yeah on single life and do you know what growing up single although it can be tragic and sad in so many ways it's kind of good because you sort of develop actually an okay uh-huh. sense of self-confidence because you never you never have a partner while you're in those formative stages, so you're quite good at being on your own. Um, yeah. Which is a good quality, I think. Um, but I wanted to discuss today, um, you know, we were just chatting about this idea of men going out of their way to make sure you know you're not attractive. <laughs> um, and like I don't already know. Um, <laughs> uh, so we're discussing today the, the idea... The phenomenon of being the mum friend. Oh, the worst friend to be. Uh, I was inspired. uh, So a comic I follow on Twitter. I'm going to get her name wrong, you know. I think it's Rachel Winitsky. Uh, She's a writer and a comic. She's a joy on Twitter. And she put up a tweet a few months ago now. And it was something along the lines of, I was slightly more overweight um, than all of my friends at college. So... I was the mum friend. I had no maternal instincts, but those were the rules. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, you are so right. And the thing is, is, people bitch so much about the friend zone. Men in I'm particular. Fine with the friend zone. Like, the friend zone is a good place to be. Don't the get me wrong. The mum zone, the implied caring aspect of you, just because you've got bigger hoo has yeah. and a, a little bit more cushion for the pushing mm-hmm. does not automatically mean that you want to symbiotically breastfeed care to all of oh. your prepubescent friends. Oh, don't say breastfeed. Uh, but like, so I remember that I have an origin story for this, mm-hmm. uh, which was that when I was in sixth form, I were at a friend's house and we were playing some sort of kissing game. It was either spin the bottle or like truth or dare. Mm-hmm. And people were kissing each other and it was 
fine in that innocent way you do. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and me and my like one of my best friends at the time, um, who is a a man who's not into women. So it, it <laughs> would it was. A moot point anyway. Exactly. There was nothing to be lost by not thinking that this man didn't fancy me. That kind yeah. of went without saying. Um, I still have a huge amount of love for this person. It's just a funny story. Um, the bottle landed on us, or it was our turn or whatever. And he said, Oh, no, I couldn't kiss Chardon. She's like my mum. Oh. And I was... There's me. I'm like 16 or 17. I was absolutely blindsided by this I was just like what and again it wasn't like oh no I'm sad you don't fancy me if he'd have turned around and said Chardon's like my best friend or Chardon's like my sister I'd have been like that's correct um but also just suck it up it's just a silly game (laughs) um but I'm not gonna like, ask you to impregnate me after this, okay? And yeah. also isn't incest because we're not genetically not related. related. But anyway, yeah. I was just and I and I was really upset. No one can understand why I was upset. And obviously I didn't make a fuss about it because I wasn't that sort of kid. But like uh, I was just To be fair, you're days. still not that sort of kid. I'm not. I would just <laughs> if someone says something offensive to me, I would just smile and then ruminate it on it for the next thirty years. <laughs> like a healthy person does. <laughs> so um and so I was just, I was just a bit shocked, and I was like, "What?" And I think we did eventually kiss, and the game went on. And then, but then I was just sort of like the next few days, just thinking, "Am I, am I mumsy? Like oh. I'm overweight, and I'm a nice person. I have always thought of myself as a good friend. Like yes. it's a trait I really like about myself. But and I just sort of." at the time just assimilated it well it's like well I'm fat and I'm nice so I'm the mum friend and the mum friend when you're a kid when you're young and your place in the friend group is is good to have a role mm-hmm. I'm like I can be the mum friend I can be caring um and luckily moving on into my more grown-up life although it had been said about me again I don't think anybody no one I was ever super head over heels for has ever called me a mum friend well, that's at least a positive. Which is good. It, it's more of a something that might be said even by my female friends, people I don't want to sleep with, like, oh, Charlotte <laughs> is such a mum. And even if they... I, I still have one friend who refers to me as their mum. And it's fine because they're a bit younger than me. And it's an in-joke and that's fine. But it's more about when I was younger, like 19, 20... If my friends are referring to me as, like, the mum friend, even if that person isn't a sexual partner I would really like, um, (laughs) um, it it still permeates this atmosphere of, like, what people think of you. Mm -hmm. And then they start to think of you as someone who's, like, not up for a laugh or prudish or not interested in sex. And it sort of follows you around. And, yeah, it's just really... It's just, like you say, like, I'm not stupid enough to think that I was only ever single in my youth because I was the mum friend. I was single in my youth because I'm an overweight monolith with a sarcastic (laughs) personality (laughs) (laughs) and was depressed for most of my teenage and early 20s. Like, it's not a good look. No one wants to go out with fat Eeyore. It's fine. But it's still... Fat Eeyore. Sorry, I just picked up what you said then. Fat eel. Oh you know, my you god! Know. I mean, I get the I get the leap you're taking, but I also 
I mean, I'm, you know, I was also a, a chubby teenager, less on the the monolith side and more on the boulder side. Uh, that's just we're a really... monolith and a boulder. Oh, yeah, I was more of a Danny DeVito type body shape. And I get it, you know, I was depressed. I was mainly depressed because all of my friends were super fucking musical and good looking and they all had boyfriends and I didn't and you know when you're at school and you're you're always the ninth fucking wheel like I get that I I completely completely understand that but to call yourself fat Eeyore is to do yourself a disservice okay I'm with you on so much of it but Eeyore was the fucking fun sponge and that was one thing you never were I so, take it back. You didn't know me at uni. I was very unhappy and would quite often sit around in the pub just with a po face on. Like, not all the time, but it wasn't a, it happened in, it wasn't a good look. Do you know what I mean? Okay. What I'm saying is that I'm not blaming all of my romantic failings on perceived mumsiness. It's just, like, I very often have ended up in the friend zone with somebody I was sexually interested in. Fine. Friend zoned all day exactly. long. It, no, don't get me wrong. It's frustrating. It's disappointing. Yep. But there's nothing yep. bad about being someone's friend. Nope. It's annoying, especially if that person is like, "You're so great. Let me talk to you about the feelings I have for oh, hate that friends." And I'm like, mm-hmm, "Great." But um, but that's that's totally fine. It's the mumness because it's it kind of like do you know what episode one? I can't stop myself getting on like a feminist fucking soapbox. It's the idea of like I don't find you attractive. But also, I cannot accept that anyone else would ever find you attractive. You are fundamentally a non-sexual being to me. Yeah. I'm taking you out of the the fucking bobbing apple bucket for everybody by assigning you as the mum. I don't think anybody's done this on purpose or maliciously, Mm. by the way. It's just a thing. You sort of assign someone as mumsy... And, and that's what you are for the rest of time. And that's what I, And do you know what? It wasn't until my mid-twenties after I'd long left uni that I was still sort of friends with quite a lot of the same people. And I was just like, I'm not... I worked at a school. This is how I figured this out. I had so much love for the kids that went there. But I had to sit myself down and be like, I'm not maternal. Like, <laughs> I'm sure I would be in the event I ever had my own children. But I'm not... The love I have for other people is as a friend. I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't cook for people. I don't cook and clean and nurture. I, you know, yeah. I, I listen and I'm a good friend, but I'm not. And I sort of thought, I guess like, you know, also this is when I was young, the mid 2000s where you couldn't buy pretty fat clothes anywhere. So I did no. dress a bit frumpy for no fault of my own. Um, and had frumpy hair because it was 2006 and everybody looked like shit. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so I'm like, I'm just, and I just had to sit myself down and be like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mumsy. You're not mumsy though. No, I'm not. honestly, I mean, <laughs> but I sort of just accepted it for so long. Yeah, and I, was just I think like, it oh. all depends on your relationship because, as we have mentioned before, and trust me, it's going to come up every episode. We have been friends for thirty years, yes. and I have never once put you into the mum category. I've yeah. definitely thought that you and my mum. Are more related, and me and your mum yeah. are more related. Like we don't belong to the parents that we have. That but that's not because I see you in line with my mother by no. any means. And I mean, you know, that's a discussion for a different day. It but totally is. um 
I, I've never... I've I've never seen you as mumsy and I would say that okay yes there were there were formative years that were missed because we were just separated by pure distance you know we never visited each other whilst we were at university but I've I've never seen you in a mum role I've definitely seen you as in a leadership sort of role like when we were kids and we were hanging out it kind of felt that like you were the leader of your friendship group I've seen that. Thank you. I would not have agreed at the time. <laughs> Although now I'm the only person who ever organises anything. So yeah, but I, I wouldn't have put that in mind. But it's, it's really bizarre how it sticks. I mean, definitely, I think maybe next week or in a couple of weeks' time, I think it would be really good for us to explore. So, I mean, that was your label when you were at university. My label and something that still sticks with me now for my university friends at most is that I'm easy. Do you know what? And it is. This is another thing. Is It's that kind of, again, we're saying this. I don't think anybody puts this much thought into it. No, when God, the, no. It's just if you take a step back from it, there's this, oh, very intellectual already, the sort of virgin whore complex mm. of like um, a woman is either somebody who fucks or she's not. And if yeah. she is, that's her whole thing. And if she doesn't, it's like you can't be in between. So like, you know the person calling me a mum friend has looked at me and gone, you're not... You're not shaggable. You're not so you're sexual. Not shagging. So yeah. I'm going to... And they're like, especially men, they look at me and they say, I like you, Chardon. Uh, I like you a lot, but I don't want to shag you. So I don't know what to do with you. But no one's asking you but, to get shagged by them. But this is what I was like. Don't, let's not, let's not muck yeah. around. I was very lonely. Um, <laughs> but like... Um, so they're like, I don't... Um, I don't know what to do with you. So the only other women I know that I don't want to shag are my older female relatives. And people don't do mm-hmm. it now that I'm 30 because I have lots of male friends and there's nothing in it. You know, it's just something about being older and being more mature. You can be like, I can accept that re- people are many faceted and <laughs> just yeah. because you're nice. And I don't fancy you doesn't mean you're a mum. It didn't. It it wasn't that prevalent. I'm acting like this happened all the time. I did have a friend actually who was more often labelled the mum friend, um, because she enjoyed cooking for everybody. But she got laid loads. So there's no exact science to no. it. It's no, just no, no, no. um, it's just a weird. It's just funny. The odd times that it's happened where like I remember like blokes at uni being like, "Oh, you're such a mum," and me thinking. Great, I've had very, very unmaternal fantasies about you <laughs> just going at it, but yeah. fine, sure, like, <laughs> let's just put that under the table and never discuss it again. Or like, maybe, on the flip side, now this is, you know, something that's probably going to keep you awake tonight, on the flip side, perhaps you were being identified as the mum friend because all of your male friends suffered quite severely from the Oedipus complex. Exactly. Oedipus, perfect. Mm. Most men, oh, you're a mum friend, or no, let's not yeah. kiss. Oedipus, you remind me of my mum, and uh, I kind of dig it. Yeah. I want to smack that. <laughs> <laughs> Why couldn't I meet Oedipus when I was lonely at you? Yeah. It's quite, it is quite remarkable, though. It really is how quickly you, you become that person yeah. with very little input from yourself. There, there are lots of examples. Um, uh, I've got a friend who I feel like always was the kid sister and probably felt a similar thing although there isn't the ageing aspect of being like oh I'm a mum I'm like old like 
but then it's kind of she was like a bit infantilized by the men mm. we hung out with um and yeah there's just often this disconnect between how you're perceived and how you really are um you know the people who identify with this most of all are obviously like trans people <laughs> um yeah. but it's this kind of I don't know if dysphoria is right to say in this context, but between trying to represent who you are on the outside and you can't. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I feel like it sticks more with women, a member of the LGBTQ. Oh, and also, obviously, people with different um, uh, skin colours and backgrounds as well. Yeah. Anybody that's not a white, a white man. straight man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You are going to be labelled early doors and that's it. Whether it's a societal label or a friendship label or whatever. It's so hard to shake because your ability to reinvent yourself is so limited. Because one thing that I've really noticed, and again, I, I do think that this would be a really good topic for further examination. I was incredibly stifled as a teenager and especially as a young adult. I was incredibly hypersexual but had no way to get that out i lived in a, in an incredibly style yeah <laughs> and also my parents were just incredibly strict i'm not saying that they were bad parents at all but their parenting technique was a solid no i mean i we, we Chardin, talk about this for days yeah but episode. i used to be at your house and my mother would call a uh, multiple times and i was less than 100 feet away from my own front door <laughs> yeah. so it was a very stifling environment so when i went to university i really hit that sweet spot of sexual freedom and i explored i had an awful lot of experiences some good some bad some fantastic and the way that my friends read that at the time, as I said, was it was of ease. I was ease. I was easy target. But it was, but that that it's really freedom, took it? yeah. yeah that took almost the decision away from me. No, I'm not easy. I'm deciding to sleep with every single person I've slept with because I want to. Because a, I enjoy sex, and b, I enjoy the freedom that I'm currently experiencing. And it's got to the stage that, you know, 10 years on, if I even mention a guy to my uni friends, they're still like, oh, yeah, 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 Essex Bridge, I'm like, this could be, you know, we're grown-ups now. The people that I'm talking to or the people I'm dating, they're also grown-ups. Like, okay, yes, I'm perpetually single, but that doesn't mean that everybody's a conquest and I think that my friends still see me like my female friends definitely don't my female uni friends definitely don't I think they identify even if they didn't understand it at the time I think now with age they definitely identify that sexual freedom that I was experiencing but I think the you're, guys, still, you're still so young when you're 18 yeah. 19 20 even if you obviously you're mature in a lot of ways but your brain it's still easier to pigeonhole someone than not yeah so you pick a role and quite often when you're in that group you lean into the role even if you don't like it because yeah. it makes you feel secure um, and you know your place it's yeah. almost like guaranteed safety within the group that i'm like oh yeah see that guy fucked him i mean really? to be fair i i did usually fuck him but <laughs> <laughs> oh god societal limitations what a fucking hate I know don't judge a book <laughs> by my vagina I don't know I'm not but, saying it made me happy but I definitely enjoyed it good I'm really glad 
I mean, I feel like that's a good place to wrap up. I don't know about you. Yes, I think so. Um, I think, yeah, so tragedy in a more general sense and then very specific Mm. in terms of your story. But, yeah, speak more. Yes. Should we do do that? Should we try and have a a Sonic the Hedgehog um, Saturday morning cartoon, like, moral at the end of each (laughs) of our fucking things? Like, don't do drugs, kids! (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know yeah so from me the moral of my story is have a more open communication with the person that you intend to have a physical relationship with and mine is just kick your way out of your box as early early doors as you can i did eventually (laughs) you did eventually and you are now in another lovely box Great. We're literally all in boxes. We are all in so many this boxes is not, right now. It's not a fun like image at the moment of us no. all in our little... Oh, Christ. Yeah. But yeah, uh, thank you for listening to the first episode of Misery Loves Company. If you have a tragic story of your own, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you could be a guest on the show, or if you're feeling bashful, like I said, you could write in and we'll read it out for you. Of course, everything's kept totally anonymous uh notwithstanding our many failings today but i'll bleep them out already <laughs> <laughs> and add more post-it notes around my bedroom definitely um, especially for your own name <laughs> especially for my <laughs> yeah. Own name. um but yeah don't deprive the world of your cringe that's the only thing it's good for is mm-hmm. making other people smile so get in touch with us uh by email at miserypodcast at gmail.com our intro music is Zombie Funk by Steve Poloni. And if you perverts want to follow us, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at Misery Loves Cast. We've been Sheldon and Freuder. Join us again in a fortnight. You bring the company and we will definitely bring the misery. Misery.